This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange uh, podcast. We have a great episode installed today. Um, so we've got some great guests. We've got Amy, who's a senior producer at Playground Games. Paul, who's a 3D art director at Sabre Interactive. David, who's an artwork localization producer at Nintendo. And Jesper, who's an art director at Cebo Games. And today we're going to be discussing the topic, the art of art management. So really interesting topic. And we've got some great questions um, in line today as well. So I'm really interested to hear from all our guests. Before we jump into the questions, though, we're going to go around the room and kick us off with some introductions. So Amy, please, could you go first? Of course. Uh, hello, I'm Amy. Um, as Andy said, I'm senior producer at Playground Games at the moment. Uh, I've been in the games industry for 11 years now, um, eight of which have been in production, the rest was in QA. Uh, within my time at production, I've always been focused on art disciplines, uh, so I'm a specialised art producer. Um, before Playground, I worked at Sumo, and before that I was at Lionhead before it got shut down, unfortunately. That's me. Fantastic, thank you very much. Paula, please could you give us your introduction? Sure, thanks Andy. Uh, well, first of all, let me say I'm extremely pleased to be here sharing board with these uh, amazing professionals. Um, I'm sure the topic today is going to bring many interesting opinions. So, um, well, to introduce myself, my name is Paula Sanchez-Ferrero and I work as 3D art director at Saber Interactive Madrid. I have been working in the industry for almost six years now. Um, I know it might sound as a short time for having become director, but it's true, they have been quite intense years in which I have participated in more than 14 different video games, 12 of them AAA, from which I highlight some as Metro Exodus, uh, three Call of Duty titles, which are World War II, Cold War, and Vanguard, Overkills the Walking Dead, and some of the installments of the Dark Pictures anthology. I joined the industry back in 2016, right after finishing my university degree by working as a junior environment and prop artist at Dolly 3D, which was an outsourced studio we used to have in Valencia. And now, thanks to that, I quickly grew as an artist. Little by little, I ended up gaining more responsibility, holding the positions of supervising artists and project lead. And in parallel to this, uh, almost three years ago, I had the opportunity to join the Domesticus community by creating an intermediate level course about how to create realistic props for video games. And a bit later, I started also working for the Mentor Coalition as a props mentor to guide other artists on how to approach asset creation from a technical proficient manner. Last February, I joined Saber Interactive Madrid as 3D art director, and my duty now is to make sure all of our 3D content meet the industry highest expectations by setting up the standards and inspiring a large team of artists. Fantastic, Paula. Thank you very much. Great background. Uh, David, let's come to you then. Uh, well, hi, everyone. I'm David. Uh, first of all, thanks, Andy, for the invitation to your podcast. Uh, I've been working at Nintendo of Europe here in Frankfurt since 2010. First, um, I started as a QA tester, very young, and then I moved eventually to the European Artwork and Design Department, where I work now as an artwork localization producer. Um, so yeah, I'm in con constant um, contact with artists slash designers. So yeah. Thanks for having me, and I'm sure I'm really looking forward to have a very nice chat about a very interesting topic. Perfect. Thanks, David. And yes, let's come to you lastly then. Hi, all. Um, and uh, Andy, thanks for the for the invite. Uh, this is going to be really interesting, I think, um, 
it's nice to get some uh, some other people at the same level to spar with. I think that's uh, it's going to be really good. Um, I um, I work at Cyber Games as an art director, and I've been here for nine years. Um, and I was here almost since the beginning, since we're ten people. And if you don't know who Cyber Games are, you might know the the mobile game uh, that we've done. Uh, it's called Subway Surfers, um, which was just um, I think we just hit three million three billion downloads uh, wow. three months ago and we were sort of the, it's the most downloaded game and we were ordered the most uh, downloaded game ever um, and day to day I work with managing art teams um, and uh, trying to get all the artists to work in the same direction so it's very sort of uh, trying to trying to be as hands-off as possible but also being hands-off uh, to direct the artists uh, on a day-to-day basis so yeah fantastic thank you very much and we were just chatting before saying uh, how international this podcast is today because we've got germany denmark spain and england and uh, i want to apologize by the way if i uh, butcher anyone's uh, pronunciation of first names because i'm terrible with this sort of stuff anyway so it makes it really really difficult for me with all the different nationalities we've got today uh, but anyway we're going to move on into the questions so we'll start Start with Amy then first. That's probably about the only name that I can confidently <laughs> pronounce. So, Amy, could you kick us off with the uh, question first of all? Of course, yeah. Um, so, uh, my question is: How do you encourage your artists to take ownership over their tasks within project management software? So, I'll give a little bit of background to this. So, I'm not sure if it's just a sort of production issue that we run into, because obviously we've got some art directors in here as well. Um, but one of the issues I have managing artists is that when you use, you know, Jira or ADO, whatever the task tracking system is that you, you'll use, um, I find that artists are often um, unwilling to sort of interact with that as some of the other developers are and to make sure that their tasks are, you know, up to date and accurate. Um, and I just, I, I thought I'd throw it out to the group if anyone had any sort of ideas or if they've also encountered this, um, just as how we can, you know, get artists to just, involve themselves more in that sort of process because obviously it's a it's a massive part of game development and it's how you know all how we all as game developers understand how the game's you know progressing and if it's going to be on time and everything so yeah i just thought i'll see what everyone's thoughts are on that great first question uh paul let's come to you first sure uh well uh, i absolutely agree with you i think it's a really important part of development probably way more important than what people might think at the beginning, like uh, being organized and being able to make sure uh, from production at the times we are going to need to develop our content for a video game uh, and making sure that we are going to be able to uh, reach the deadlines. It's something extremely important. And it's true that sometimes, um, uh, and I've seen this quite a lot in art department, it's, it's quite difficult for the artists to make them aware of this fact. Um, they tend to think sometimes that uh, their job is just going to the office, doing art and, and forgetting about everything. But there is a, a really important other part behind it when it um, belongs to a video game creation, that it's all this production. And um, so in this regard, um, I don't think I will have the perfect magical solution that will fix everything. But there are a few things that I think that might be uh, useful in a way i think uh first thing could be transparency right uh avoid the artist thinking that task managing is a way of control them specifically but that is more like the only way to have a nice follow-up on production and that it's something that is needed if we want to 
reach the specific deadlines. Um, second thing is uh, talking them about or telling them about the benefits of having this task managing. And it's not only uh, to have a vision over their task, but it's also that there we can also register the feedback iteration. And if at some point direction change, uh, direction actually, um, uh, that's registered there. And if the times in the end change, it's clear that it's not like artist fault, but it, that it, it belongs to management decisions. Um, and also finally, I think uh, that it's important to let them know it's a way of saving time for them, like it benefits a lot um, to have uh, task managing, to be able to spot um, uh, errors on time from the leadership, right? Uh, being able to uh, have uh, better uh, or, or more constant contact with the artist and be able to check what they're working on and maybe spot errors or things on time instead of uh, finishing the asset and once it's already in engine or something, uh, checking what's not working. Maybe you can spot it working on the high poly or working already in the in the low poly or this kind of stuff. So in the end, they save a lot of time avoiding redoing it from scratch. Jasper, let's come to you on the back of Amy's question and what Paula said there as well. I think it's not it's not really a problem on our my team and the way that we do stuff here it depends i guess on your team size if you have a lot of people people can hide a little bit in the corners and sort of uh, you know and, and i definitely can recognize that sort of behavior you know uh, um uh, from larger teams and i can sort of but the way that i kind of get around that is just completely letting go you know because i think what i've what i've experienced in the past is that i wanted to engage them more in that kind of stuff you know and i just um, and then they kind of didn't, and then I did it for them. And then they kind of got used to that, okay, if they waited a little bit, then I would do it for them, or the producer would do it for me, for them. And um, and now I just tell them to do it, and if they don't do it, it will be very obvious in stand-up. So it's all about that giving that responsibility to the original, uh, individual artists that if you don't do it, it's going to be very obvious that it's you who didn't do it, and that nobody's going to pick up after you. And and I think maybe a minor detail, in, in, as well as also that we don't have any producers on our teams. We are That's we are all a small team, and we are all producers, and we are quite senior people. So so I just tell people I um, I expect them to do their own tests. I'm not going to clean up with them. They need to do it, and they are actually doing it. And it took a little bit of time of me just being like seeing that they didn't do it, and then giving them a month or something to to transition, and then then they're actually picking it up quite well. Um, so that was a learning curve for me, you know, like just letting them figure it out, you know, and, and, and give them that responsibility. And then most 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 people will pick that responsibility. Uh, David, how how what are your thoughts on this? Well, personally, uh, taking care of the task tracking is not part of my responsibilities right now uh, as a producer. But I could only imagine, and like my German partner is growing more and more after all these years here. I'd say that having like a really solid setting stone workflow uh, will only help. Like we have this cliched idea of the artist as a person who is very passionate about art, but on the other side is a bit chaotic or not the most organized person. So first of all, we will need probably in another installment discuss whether that's a cliche or it is true for any artist, for every artist, but definitely to have solid uh, foundations of how they need to work with the software, how or when or under which circumstances 
they need to work with it, it could only help. Mm. And Amy, we'll come back to you, obviously, it was your question. So <laughs> off the back of hearing from other guests, what are your further thoughts? Um, I had another sort of sub question. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, do any of you use um, task tracking that's focused towards artists? Like for example, Shopgrid. We, no? No, we 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 use uh, Jara, the same uh, same um, software for okay. everybody. And and I do I do I do agree that it is sort of a weird combination because we're actually using software development practices, you know, on a team where half of the of the people at least, uh, and sometimes you know the artists, they're not software developers. So I, uh, it is very difficult uh, for that to sort of to. Uh, but we use we just use the same thing for sure. Yeah. Paul, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I actually uh, agree uh, with Jasper. I, um, in general, the, the, the tool I used the most was Jira. Um, it's true that sometimes I did use like Airtable or Weekend or this kind of stuff because they were like more focused on artists. But in the end, we concluded again that uh, it's better to try and have everything merge. Uh, it's easier for all managers to try and have everything combined, especially because there are some tasks that have dependencies uh mm-hmm. with all your departments so in that regard is is uh, quite positive to have everything combined Go on, yes, i think uh, i'm thinking of it now uh, amy we did actually at some point use uh, we set up sort of a kanban bond in jara mm-hmm. where we did some because a lot of artists tests and a lot of stories will have um will not have any engineering it'll just be through this model and they will implement it all the way and it'll be an animator and be like it will never evolve anybody else than artists so we did experiment with having sort of a, a track on the side where uh, in a sprint, if the artist ran out of work, they could sort of grab from that Kanban board, grab tests where they needed no engineering support and we could sort of, it didn't uh, ruin the sprint, com- uh, sprint completion uh, at all. So we, we did try that out. So yeah. it, uh, you, you're definitely in a lot alone with the, with the, <laughs> with the difficulties uh, of, uh, yeah. of uh, merging this way of working with artists. It is, uh, and I see, I see some artists sometimes during those long planning sessions, you know, and I see some of them sometimes, you know, be a little bit, you know, slunched in their chair and sort of a bit... Uh, Just a bit disconnected but, from it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know. But I try to tell people that, and that comes on us as leaders to try to, to champion how important planning is, you know. I like to say 80% planning, 20% execution, you know, because it is so important to get that kind of planning and i think if any i think for me it just took being on a very very chaotic production to to uh, to uh, realize that never again right so yeah it's it's, it's super important yeah. yeah i think um i've generally found that well obviously artists are very visual people and i find with programs like uh, jira or ado and um, artists just seeing you know like a long list of tasks without any sort of visual representation of what those tasks mean over the project found a lot of them, yeah, they just kind of disconnect from it and they go, oh, that's, that's just a list of tasks. Like, I'm, I'm not interested in that. But doing things like Kanban boards and Gantt charts, I found they're a lot more engaged in that because they can actually kind of visualise it in their head where where that task is going, where the project is going. Um, so, yeah, I was curious if you guys have played around with that and it sounds like some of you have, which is which is great. Yeah. And we do, sometimes we do off, sometimes we'll do milestone planning off-sites, get people out of the office, you get them to stand mm-hmm. up. <laughs> there's a little bit of cake, there's a little bit of lunch, there's a bit, get people out of that office environments. And then I would actually, uh, a lot of the time, see artists engage a lot more, you know, because it's a, you just change the environment around a little bit and it becomes a physical exercise with actual cardboard boards on a, on a, on a you know, a whiteboard and stuff like that. It's more interactive and it's more visual in a way. Yeah, yeah that's great. One of my tactics was always to bring uh, chocolate. <laughs> 
if there's snacks around, yeah. people are always a bit more receptive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, fantastic. No, it's a great first question. So thank you very much for that, Amy. Some uh, already some thank really you good for points. The Brilliant. Well, we can move on uh, to our second question then. So, which is going to come from Paula. So, Paula, please could you give us the second question of the podcast today? Sure. Um, my question this time will be how to deal with artist ego when giving feedback or guidance during a production. Um, the reason why I ask this is because there are some artists that uh, show some resistance sometimes to implement feedback, arguing it a lot. Of course, they are more than allowed to express their opinion, right? In fact, I think they should because it might help to improve production. But I'm talking more about situations where they try to make you think the result is already good enough, sometimes because they are sick and tired of working on the same model, uh, because it's been a while and don't want to get back to it. Others, because they're proud of their job and don't think it can be improved. However, feedback is sent for a reason uh, mm. by a person who has a general overview of the project and needs that to be implemented for a reason that maybe they are not even aware of. Um, so which do you think would be the best approach to, to deal with that uh, situation? Well, let's come to Amy first on that one. Okay. Um, yeah, over sort of my time managing lots of different artists over many years, um, obviously that problem has come up quite a few times. Um, you can often find an artist who has yet um, a stubbornness about them when it comes to feedback. And I think that that is only natural, you know, it's a creative industry. Um, and I think the way we've combated it in the past um, is to kind of get like a really good sense of um, sort of team ownership and peer-to-peer -peer feedback and things like that, because I it seems like the hierarchy of an art team can sometimes cause that um, that sort of stubbornness and, and that ego in that someone who is more important than the artist has come along and said, no, your art isn't good enough. And I think that, yeah, that sort of levelling is sometimes what causes that issue. So we would often encourage the whole team to feedback. Obviously, you know, the art directors would be the final call, but we encourage the other artists to come in and chip into each other's work. And eventually, as you progress through through this sort of system and everyone starts getting comfortable with each other and they feel like they can be open and honest, then it goes from being a, you know, the person who's in charge of me telling me to do this thing, it moves more to a, as a team, we are discussing what we think is best for the direction for the project. Um, and I've always found that that's quite a positive impact on, on a lot of artists. Obviously, there's been cases where it, it doesn't work that way, but generally having that sense of team ownership, I think really helps. That's a really good point. Um, David, I know this is obviously slightly outside your um, your field of expertise, but in terms of like dealing with egos and things generally, what are your sort of thoughts on uh, on Paula's question? I totally agree with Amy. I think it's a matter of uh, getting them involved. I think there are two main, two basic factors that are trust and, and communication. I think like we can focus, or we can take our role as managers as either kind of a tyrant, like, like Amy was saying, where you are on top or you have a role that is superior and you just order them things. That can, of course, create ego clashes and problems. And you can also uh, think of your role as a kind of a servant. So you just need to provide the artist with uh, the best uh, tools available, the best or the most complete information possible. Um, so I think once you prove them that uh, once you gain their trust, then it will be much easier to provide feedback to them or to criticize their work 
or to maybe uh, let them hear something they don't want to hear. Um, and only then, then they will trust you as well. Mm. Um, and also that links with the communication points. Once they know that you are just not trying to impose yourself on their territory, because I don't know you guys, but when I work with an artist, they know more about art than me. Uh, so if they know and they are sure about their skills, then it is easier to explain to them why do you think this is wrong or why do you think this should change? Because also, okay, they know more about art, but I know more about the project or I know why some things wouldn't work because I know that some de other departments wouldn't agree with it or I know what the implications are for the consumer or whatever. So if you gain their trust, it will be easier than for you to explain what the problem is. Mm. Yeah, really good. Um, yes, well, let's come to you then. Yeah, I think I think Amy is uh, absolutely on the money with this, like letting the team, especially if you not come from an art background. I remember me when I was a concept artist and I remember, you know, there needs to be some sort of respect in terms of craftsmanship. It makes it easier to take critique at least. So if you don't have an artist's background, it, it can sometimes be harder for an artist to listen to that kind of critique. So, so what Amy is saying, like she's moving it to the team. So it's the peers that are actually... Uh, contributing with the feedback i think that's uh, we do the same thing absolutely and most of the time the, the team sort of solves the direction on their own without my involvement it's only sort of i step in sometimes if they can't figure it out themselves i'll be like okay and i settle the dispute <laughs> dispute <laughs> so we can move on a little bit so absolutely um, uh, let it be a peer preview and then I, it's so difficult with art and i think sometimes art you know especially with, with games uh, development uh, uh, you know if you're not a I feel like the engineers sometimes have a little bit of an advantage because they speak this language and nobody can argue with them. You know, they have a, they have this language that most people don't understand. Whereas with art, it can be very subjective. It could be I like, I feel, you know. So when I give direction, I try to stay completely out of those uh, words. You know, I, I try to just give absolutely hardcore theory-based feedback, you know. That color doesn't work with that and or something like that. So, and I think, feel like that helps, you know. But I feel also... For me, as an art director, I need to be, I can't just be an administrative art director. I need to be good at designing. I need to be good at drawing. I need, because that's sort of, otherwise I turn into this, uh, you know, um, uh, personal trainer that doesn't work out anymore, right? Who wants to, who can, re who can respect that kind of, you know? So, so, but I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let the team sort of, let the, let the great artists talk with the great artists and have, have them sort of discuss the, 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 the feedback, I think that's great. Um, I had some really good points. So to come back to Paul, I was just going to ask you, how do you, um, you know, how do you deal with that yourself in your work? Is it similar to what, you know, other people have said today or is it you do something different? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. I think they all uh, brought up many interesting uh, points. I think, uh, first of all, and as Amy said, uh, it's quite important to get the whole team uh, involved, other colleagues of the, like the artists that they give their opinion to each other. I think it's a way of normalizing the situation, making them understand that receiving feedback, it's not necessarily a bad, a bad thing, but that's something that needs to be done to make sure that we all keep consistency and that we all as artists uh, go and work in the same direction. Um, and also it's the other point, right, about gaining trust, uh, gaining trust of you as a manager, as a lead, as uh, whatever, uh, gaining your artist trust, um, letting them know uh, that you have solid reasons behind uh, your feedback um, and that uh, maybe they're uh, uh, separated from artistic 
uh, view or, or artistic style specifically, but maybe there are some technical decisions or because of how is the camera on the game want to work, um, and many things that uh, we might need to take into account. Um, so it's important to let them know that it's not a matter of personal taste, the, the feedback we give, uh, but it's more like um, putting all aspects of, of art in the game together and, and making decisions on top of that. Um, and yeah, uh, I think it's the most important thing is to be transparent with them and let them always know because um, understanding is a way of uh, being more calm. So as an artist, if you know the why behind, uh, it's always uh, something that makes you feel way more relaxed than just uh, this is wrong, change it. Mm. Jasper, do you want to comment on that? I just wanted to jump on the word uh, trust that uh, Paula mentioned a little bit because I think that's an important fact and uh, important uh, sort of element into this. So if you can build in the team a trust where everybody knows that every, every what everybody's trying to do is just make the best product possible. That's where all the critique, that's where all the fear, that's all where that comes from. That if you can get to that level of trust where people, because then it changes it. it, it it's not a personal thing. It's not that... Uh, this guy doesn't like what I'm doing. Everything feeds into just making the best product possible. So if you can get to that level, I think you'll start seeing... Sometimes we have guys or girls that are being in just this loop of feedback for months on the same thing. And that can be sort of a, a little bit tiring, but if you constantly believe it's not personal, it's not nobody, these are my mates, these are my friends, we're just trying to make the best possible thing, that really does change a lot of things. So it was just... Paula mentioned trust. Yeah. yeah, go on, Amy, before we move on. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was just curious about how um, how the other um, the other guys feel about when there's artists that have been working really really hard on a new piece um, and then that gets cut. Um, how do you deal with sort of that? Obviously, um, they get disheartened about that, and it can be quite difficult to get an artist out of that slump that comes from you know like spending months sometimes on a piece of work and then just it getting cut because we don't have the time or we don't have the budget or whatever it ends up being so I was just curious um you know so what tactics people use to help with that situation because we know it's going to happen games development is sort of quite volatile when it comes to art great question has anyone got any yeah. uh examples or <laughs> any, anything they want to jump in on or even if a whole production gets caught, you know, not just an yeah, artwork, but whole you know, project. just completely. And that is really the name of the game, you know, it can be very difficult. I try to always say to people that imagine how, because you've got to imagine that most artists that are in the industry or whatever, they just, they have a, especially the good ones, have a deep desire to become the best artist that they possibly can, you know. So I just I tell them to imagine that, you know, their path to mastery or whatever is this huge rock, you know, and whenever they do a piece of artwork, they chip a little bit away at that rock, you know, and come closer and closer to becoming the best art, part, uh, artist they possibly can, you know. And just get them in the mindset of whatever they do, whatever it's being used to, it's being cut, or it doesn't it's a big chip in that rock. And that helped for me, like a mentor told me that, that helped for me a lot because, uh, when that uh, stuff happens, you know, because, yeah, it, is, it can be very emotional, you know, spend months and months on something that doesn't get there, but, yeah. It's all a learning experience at the end of the day. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Go on, Paula. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that I, but I just said it already, like not only <laughs> pieces of art, but a whole project sometimes got 
cancelled after years of work. I, I personally experienced that like two or three times already, and and it's hard. And especially when when you've been working there for for months, uh, maybe years. Um, but I think that um, you always end up uh, finding new challenges, uh, new uh, assets, or new projects that can. Uh, re-motivate you again so it's it's something you cannot avoid to be a bit sad uh, at some point when these things happen especially if you put uh, a great effort on 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 this and and you trust it on the project or you trust it on the piece and and you give your best but in the end it's something that we need to understand it's, it's part of the job unfortunately and um, we always uh, should try to have in the back of our minds that mm, when these things are done it's because of our reason and we always try to do it for the better uh so yeah i think that the, the better thing to do is to try and focus again on something else that can motivate you again perfect um well we'll go on to the third question um so thank you very much for the, the question, Paul, and some great points from everyone there as well. And a, another little sub question as well from Amy as well. Uh, so perfect. Thank you very much. Sorry, I uh, try not to make it a habit. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. Um, we're going to move on to the third one, though. So we'll change direction slightly. So let's come to David. Yeah, so my question would be how to find the perfect midpoint between micromanaging the artists too much and give, giving them too much freedom. Um, yeah, I would like to know uh what the opinions are here because i find it uh one of the most challenging aspects in art management probably um because my premise as an art manager is trying to get as away as possible from micromanaging or trying just to be on top of things but of course the other stream which would be just like okay we need to do this do it and send it when it's done and i'm not going to criticize i'm not going to give you feedback it's probably as bad as as being yeah, micromanaging all the time. Uh, and between those two uh, extremes, there's like this huge range of grays and it's very difficult to to find the, the right gray, right? So yeah, uh, please feel free to give me ideas how to detect maybe when you go too much or too far towards one of the streams, how to solve that problem. Uh, yeah. yeah, great question. So how do you find that sort of balance in between? Um, oh, all right. Well, uh, yes, but let's come to you then first. <clears throat> it's, it's quite interesting, this question. And I thought of a lot about it, actually. And I uh, think um, that's the thing that I had to learn the hard way, you know, not to micromanage. Because uh, I think that is just, it demotivates all artists. It's super stressful for the art director. Uh, and uh, and it actually makes worse artists, I think. Um, and I'll tell I'll tell you why because I, based on a, on a, on a previous ex um, production I had when I was starting up being an art director, I thought I had to have all the answers. I thought I had to 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 have all the solutions to all the problems. And what it actually ended up with is that causing a lot of stress for me and a lot of demotivation for all the artists. But also, artists became worse because they got used to only getting the the assets, uh, whatever they were doing, to 80%, because they knew I would come with the last 10% answers, or uh, uh, last 20% to the answer. So they would just get it to 80%, and they would wait around for me to come around, and I would, I would sort of stress, and I would give them, say, move, move over, and I would draw for them, and I would uh, get uh, design the last thing. And then, um, so for the, the solution to that, I think, is uh, having a team that is synced around a strong vision. And every single week, you tell the team what that's, art vision is and you'll see they so they know it over and over again in their sleep and you'll see them sometimes roll their eyes because they heard it a million times 
but what it allows us to what it allows the team to to do is just they know exactly where the box is let's imagine that it's like a art style the box is an art style so as long as they hit within that box it's okay i can disagree with a little bit with an artist and 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 i can give an artist a little bit of leeway especially if i gave him a lot of correction on the previous artwork i can let them actually have that one because it fits in the box and it still fits within the art style so just syncing everybody around that sort of that strong vision and everybody knows where we're going in the same direction allows me to just micromanage very very little and just give feedback once in a while and solve disputes and just Make sure everybody, if everybody's uh, uh, diverting a little bit from the vision, then pull back, people back a little bit. Like actually directing instead of micromanaging. Because I think micromanaging is very bad for an art production, for sure. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, Amy, let's come to you. Uh, yeah, this is one I feel very passionately about. Um, I think it affects production a little bit more than certain other disciplines, but it does also affect sort of just managers in general. Um, and yeah, as Jasper said, it's um, it's really important we don't micromanage. It can be really destructive for a team. It, it drives that feeling of that you don't trust them because you're constantly watching them, you're keeping them on, and you're having yeah. to direct them. And that that is not something we ever want to encourage within our art teams. Um, one of the ways that I've got around it in the past is to have a routine and a structure when it comes to feedback. So we'd have like um, defined times within a sprint or a milestone or however you want to split things up. So maybe like once a week, twice a week, you'd have this is the review meeting and it would be with, say, the art directors or with your peers or whoever it needs to be. And, and that would be the review slot. So that would be the time that you, they would talk to their managers and art directors and leads and peers about the direction for that asset. Um, and, but then you'd also encourage that if they ever had any questions, they could come to you know you directly. Um, but the points where you would feedback to them would always be structured, so they know I've got two days to kind of get this at the best point possible, and then my art director is going to look at it, and then we can you know revise it from them. And I feel like that, um, at least the artists I've worked with, quite like that. Um, that routine so they know you're not just going to randomly ambush them at you know six o'clock in the evening going <laughs> oh this is wrong and you need to tweak this and obviously you should have good oversight generally as a manager anyway and I always encourage the artists to do things like daily reports just like that nice little snapshot to go like oh, okay yeah their progress is still you know on track and that does give you the opportunity to, if anything is you know completely off track and, and you need to bring it in you can raise it at that point but it's it's encouraged that you wait for the reviews. Um, uh, yeah, that that's generally worked fairly well in the past for me. Um, and I think it does kind of get away from that micromanaging feel generally. No, it's a really good point. Uh, Paula, let's come to you. Yeah, um, I definitely think that micromanaging too much would generate artist frustration, uh, the feeling of lack of freedom to be creative. Um, and it's true that on the other hand, uh, too much freedom would end up in uh, maybe a lack of consistency with uh, other assets uh, of the team. So I think the, the main point here is to uh, set up really clear standards uh, for the team uh, towards the direction that they should uh, follow, um, which kind of things they should take into account uh, basically the principles, right, uh, that we are following in that specific project, um, basically for them to uh, feel they have more uh, freedom to do whatever, as long as they keep uh, following the standards that are going to be uh, needed for the project, right? Um, uh, and also maybe, I don't know, uh, creating a checklist, for example, helps a lot uh, for them to always have in mind and have quite fresh 
the things that they should always uh, review on their own, on, on the asset work they're doing uh, and making sure that they're following them. And then they have uh, freedom around the, everything that is um, separated or, or apart from that uh, checklist, right? Um, and I think um, uh, this will allow them to portray uh, uh, that uh, following their own methods, basically. Um, and I think also that uh, something that influences quite a lot the micromanagement or, sorry, micromanagement or not, are the periods in production, right? Uh, of course, when you're starting a project or when you are in pre-production where you still need to uh, make the artist get used to the pipeline, to what you are pointing to in that project, uh, of course, it's a period in which you will need to be a bit more on top, uh, micromanaging a bit more uh, to make sure that everyone is going in, in the correct path. But then when production starts or when uh, production had a few months already uh, running, um, I think it's a moment where you can step back a bit and not need to be as on top as in other moments. Fantastic. Um, okay, well, David, let's just come back to you after hearing from the other three, uh, other three guests. Then, obviously, it was your question, so uh, just interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, very happy and relieved that we are all more or less on the same page. That we try to avoid micromanaging as much as possible. Um, and yet, with like all great good points have been discussed, uh, good communication. Uh, really interesting what Amy said to have regular uh, meetings to discuss what can be improved and that it doesn't sound like it's a recrimination or that it comes from a good side and yeah again trust uh, and just let them speak their mind as well so they can have freedom and they are not afraid of yeah uh, talking their their hearts that's also good yeah, and it's because we have a little we have a simple thing and I think that's basically what Amy is saying I think it's the same thing, correct me if I'm wrong, Amy, but we have something called um, arts, arts Sync. We don't have stand-ups with the art community, art team, but we have a stand-up with the team in general, everybody together, planning. Uh, and, but then we have something called Art Sync, which is every day. If there's no topics, we cancel it, but it's to set a, a, some, some time and, and a space aside for people to discuss any art-related topic on the team. It, that's also often the place where we give feedback to I've done this, what do you guys think? So, so you create this space every day, it's always in the calendar. At 10 o'clock, there's an art sync and you talk about direction or talk about if you have, uh, if you want peer feedback on on, on, uh, on on an artwork or something like that. Just to have that little space where you talk about the direction of the game, you know, because then it doesn't become me micromanaging people because we already talked about it as a group. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what what we encourage to do. Um, we often call them show and tells, and sometimes we have ones yeah. sort of at the end of the week where the artists aren't just sharing the work that they're working on for the project, they're also sharing the personal work and things like that. So, because we know that when you're working on a project, it may be, you know, a style you're not used to, or, you you know, you want to you want to brush up on some other um, skills. Um, so, yeah, we, we like to encourage people to just share their work generally, even if it's not work related, uh, because we think that really helps because someone could show, share a piece of artwork and the other person would be like, oh, actually, that that's really relevant to the work I'm doing. Can you teach me how to do this particular mm. type of material or something? So, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It goes back to that whole thing of um, encouraging the team to work together and peer review and, and all that. I think it's just super important with an art team. Yeah, fantastic uh, question, David, as well. So thank you very much for that and for all the input as well. 
Um, well, we're on to our last question, so we're absolutely flying through these as well. So, uh, loads of good answers. Uh, Jesper, let's come to you then. Last question of the day. Yeah, so this is maybe more of a question to everybody, to, to the rest of the rest of the group. So, um, I know I'm, I'm guessing it's something we all struggle with and, uh, and something that's hard to find a solution with uh, too. So, um, how do we motivate artists to keep uh, the artists and keep them artists motivated, especially during these long productions? And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, where we lost the uh, Subway Surfers, you know, mobile games were, <laughs> the, the production time on mobile games was a lot shorter, right? And now mobile games have really moved into AAA gaming and it's two, three, four, or five years sometimes, you know, even more. And, and how to keep artists motivated, especially during a long, long production. Well, let's hear from yourself first. Like how, uh, what are your thoughts and how do you go about that? I think actually it ties a little bit into the two previous questions that we have. You know how you know I don't like to, to I don't like to call it the artist ego ego, uh, but but you know how do we keep people sort of engaged with something where they actually are sometimes have their feelings hurt? You know because we do it's artwork. You know it comes from the heart. I never I never do anything that I think is bad. You know I do an artwork because I think it's the best that I could do. You know. So, so uh, and then also micromanaging, because I think micro, micromanaging uh, really does uh, suck the li- life out of, out, of, um, out of a production. So I think those two, if you can balance, you know, um, the feelings around art in a way, in a nice way. And if you can balance, you know, not micromanagement, I think you're in a pretty good place. And, and, and especially the first one around the artist's feelings. And it's um, sometimes it's just also about letting some details fly, you know. When an artist uh, uh, is uh, is getting feedback and there's a few details, you're kind of like uh, maybe could a little bit, then just let it slide, let, let that one slide. Especially if, if it's within the box, especially if it's, if it's within the vision and within the style, just let it slide. It doesn't matter too much. And then just that will also allow you the next time you know to push a little bit more because you just it's all about the uh, feeling of ownership. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear from uh, some of the guests then about how they go about this. So, Paul, let's hear from you. Yeah, um, I think uh, something that could help quite a lot is to give them escaping paths uh, to reduce their frustration and bring motivation back. Uh, So in this way, I think, for example, giving them enough backlog, always uh, having more than one task assigned so that they can swap whenever, unless, of course, there is super high priority or something, but giving them uh, enough freedom to, to be able to change and swap a bit and avoid spending long terms uh, with the same thing every day on screen. I think that frustrates a bit. And also you even lose a bit of vision, right? Uh, sometimes you are working on something and you start losing the, the vision and you start feeling a bit frustrated on how to move on. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of uh, leaving it parked in a way for some days and then going back to it and suddenly you realize that you are way more productive, that you are able to do way more, uh, well, things way more fast than you were being able before. So in that regard, I think it's always good for the artist to, to have at least a couple of tasks uh, to alter. And um, apart from this, I think it's also good to um, empathize a lot with them and and make sure that we congratulate uh, as well the, the good work. And I mentioned this because we sometimes we, when we are managing, we go so fast from one another that we only point out the things that, that maybe are not working or the things that should be fixed and improved. Uh, but sometimes artists as well need to 
to receive a comment when they're doing things right as well, because that's that's like a strength, a uh, huge motivation for them. Um, and and of course, if we think that something is correct, I think the the best thing we could do is uh, to to share that and and give them that um, comfort in a way. Mm. And uh, the last thing would be trying to keep them as posted as possible with the progress of the project in general. Uh, sometimes when, when, when you're artist and you're every single day on your screen, uh, of course, yeah, you talk with colleagues and, and you maybe see their work. But when you start seeing uh, everything together in an environment or uh, working in game already, you end up uh, seeing way more the volume of, of your work, uh, the impact uh, your work is having uh, for the whole project. And I think that also uh, helps quite a lot uh, to motivation in uh, long-term projects. Really good points there, Paula. Yeah. 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 I think I think also just, uh, I think there's nothing more motivating than actually uh, going back in time and pulling up old builds and, and looking at them as a team, you know, because then you can, because I was just uh, something that Paula said that reminded me that, you know, we really lose uh, the pro progression sometimes. And when you go back and pick up those old builds and, and look at them together as a team, you can really see the progress. And then it doesn't feel that you, you it doesn't feel that bad. You know? I was thinking yeah. when you said that, I don't know if anyone's read the, uh, read the book Atomic Habits, but there was a, there's a good yeah. portion in there around motivation, celebrating That's small perfect. wins. And you obviously don't really realize them at the time that you do it, but when you look back and you do the tiny little wins that you do amounts and amount, that's why it's obviously called atomic habits, the atomic little things that you do. Uh, I found that really interesting in that book and it sort of resonates there, I think as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I even try to do this with, with even small assets, but if I see that there's been a specific artist that had had a great progression uh, along uh, a specific asset when applying feedback iteration, I, I even asked them to go to the first version and open it next to the, the final one and, and check the progression. And, and mm -hmm. generally, they're all of them quite happy of the results mm -hmm. and they realize that the effort uh, wasn't for nothing. Yeah, not really good point. But it was worth it. Yeah. David, let's come, uh, come to you. How, what are your sort of uh, tactics or ways of keeping people motivated, especially over like long term projects? I think it's very important to get them as involved as possible, uh, especially these long projects. Normally, they always come with uh, new situations, uh, or new, in, my, in my case, new know, printed materials or specific um, yeah, printing methods or whatever that we are not used to. So it's good for the artist to know that you can hear them, that you can say, okay, we have this situation. How would you suggest to work uh, with this? Um, yeah, so they feel that they can contribute with their ideas, that they are not only there in a corner waiting for us to tell them after some days, okay, now we go into the next step. Um, also, as Paula said, it's very important that they know the progress of the project because in this long run projects can be that it's told for some weeks even so even so they don't even know what's going on so it's important that they know the progress they know why it stopped or why it's when it's resuming why we have these difficulties and always get them involved so mm. they can give you ideas on how to solve the problem yeah absolutely absolutely uh, Amy, let's come to you lastly then. Uh, yeah, I uh, completely agree with all the points that have been raised on this topic so far. Um, there's one topic that I sort of wanted to hone in a bit more is what 
Paula mentioned about keeping the work feeling fresh. Um, so we were in a great position at Sumo that we were working as an art team across four different projects and they all had very different styles. Um, so what we would try and do is we would try and make sure the artists would spend a certain amount of time on one style, like a stylized game, and then some more time on a realistic game to make sure that they were feeling like, yeah, they weren't kind of getting stuck in a rut and they, they weren't getting bored of their work, keeping the skills fresh. Because of course, if you're working a really stylized game, you're not going to be using a lot of the skills you would have learned for like, I don't know, realistic hair or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's an unusual situation that I'd imagine not everyone's going to be in. Um, but on a single uh, project, um, I try and encourage that within the artists as well, in that if, say, you've got a concept artist and they're traditionally an environment specialist, um, we, I would still encourage them to take on sort of like, like low priority character work as well, just to kind of see how they feel with it. Um, you know, just hone those skills as well, because stuff that they could learn while doing the characters might be really useful in their environment work. And then it also gives them sort of a bit more of a break from what they would traditionally do. So um, obviously that's only if there is time within the project. If you're in a project that's completely rammed and you need, you know, really high quality environment work really quickly, then that's not a luxury you often have. But yeah, it's definitely worth encouraging that keeping the ideas fresh and switching up as much mm. as you can oh really good point yeah. and jasper yeah. do you want to jump in on that yeah that's really interesting as well and and, and, and i agree that it depends on what kind of project and, and what kind of company and how it's set up but we at cyber we also really encourage sort of development um and we actually allow there's a set budget per person to develop and we allow people to within hours be like i need a break and they'll they'll take a course they'll some school is a concept artist course to work on actually specifically what uh, what Amy is saying like if um, if they are an environment artist and want to be good at characters they can sort of just take a break and and work on those skills you know that is a, a really high motivating factor I think to 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 keep improving and keep learning and not not get stuck yeah absolutely that's that's where I was going with that as well that, yeah learning is so important and we need to make sure that artists keep their passion for learning because I think it's really easy for them to just you know find something they're good at stick with it and not think outside the box so I think yeah mm. learning yeah, new, new skills yeah. yeah the passion for learning is where it all comes from because otherwise exactly. they would have come we would have you know be banking or something more <laughs> more uh, routine based work you know it came from all that it came from learning new things and being really open-minded and interested in, in, in how the world works you know so that's really Definitely. cool to hear oh fantastic that's uh, that's the last question so um I'm going to take this opportunity to thank uh, our four fantastic guests for four fantastic questions. We had some great discussions, some great points. So I hope uh, everyone listening has got something out of it from uh, one of the questions and uh, can use that within their own field of work as well. So thank you very much to Jesper, David, Paula and Amy. It's been great to have you on. If anyone is interested in joining the podcast as well, please feel to reach out to me uh, and we can get in touch and talk about how you get on the podcast. So until next time, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you.